That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hi, this is Jason Greenblatt on The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. Today, a special report on the invasion of and the attack on Ukraine by Russia. I was just watching Jen Psaki, the White House spokesperson on TV. I'm paraphrasing, but here were her main messages. We warned Ukraine. We're in very close contact with President Zelensky. We continue to consider a wide range of options, and we continue to deliver aid. I mean, what kind of message is that? The country is under attack. People are fleeing. fleeing. Over 50,000 people have fled. The president is being hunted. That's all she has to say. We're continuing to, dis- to think about some options. We're in close contact with President Zelensky. Guys, these are empty words. A lot of speeches are being made. There's a lot of hand-wringing, a lot of condemnation. But it's a lot of empty words. It reminds me of when I worked at the White House. So sometimes I'd meet these political leaders anywhere around the world and some diplomats, and they use these words to show they care, but they do nothing. It just makes them feel good. People think diplomacy can avert war. Often it can't. It may delay war. It may delay the deepening of war. But often, especially in the case of what we're seeing now with a person like President Putin, these empty words and the attempt at diplomacy are highly unlikely to do anything to help Ukraine or its people. Only a real show of strength and seriousness may cause President Putin to think more carefully about what he's doing. I'm not seeing anything like that anywhere, not from the Biden administration and certainly not from our friends and allies in Europe. No matter how many times they say it, the most important words came from Ukraine's president, President Zelensky, who had to make a speech no leader should ever have to make. He said on Friday that his country had been left to fight Russia on its own. He had to plead for help as over 50,000 Ukrainians fled Ukraine. And then there's this shocking quote from President Zelensky, who made this very emotional speech. We have been left to fight alone to defend our state. Who's ready to fight alongside of us? I don't see anyone. Who's ready to give Ukraine a guarantee of NATO membership? Everyone is afraid, he said. So instead of listening to various politicians lamenting what's happening and doing nothing, Listen to President Zelensky's speech and ask yourselves, what should we do? What can we do? What's our responsibility here? What do we stand for? Do we stand for empty words and weak gestures? These are indeed tough questions, and I don't have the answers. I'm not arguing to have American armed forces put their boots on the ground at the moment. I agree with President Biden on that. But I do think the Europeans should be all over this. This war, this attack on our democracy in Europe. This invasion of another country is first and foremost a European problem. The United States and other non-European allies should assist in every way possible without putting American lives on the line at the moment. But where are the Europeans? Are they just going to stand by and let Ukraine be taken over and allow a different government to be installed just because Ukraine is not a NATO ally? Because they're afraid of Russia? Because they're afraid for their own economies? Because they're afraid of a spike in energy prices and wheat prices? President Zelensky is pleading for stronger sanctions. Why are we not putting the pedal to the metal on every possible tool in our disposal to pressure Russia to stop its assault now? Why are we not heeding President Zelensky's pleas for stronger sanctions? Why are we patting ourselves on the back for predicting this would happen? 
Watch President Biden's two speeches. How much of those speeches were nothing more than, I told you so, as opposed to answering important questions from reporters, such as why we're not cutting Russia off from the SWIFT system? Why was there no mention at all about Europe, other than President Biden saying that some Europeans didn't want to cut Russia off from the SWIFT system? Is that all? Why do we allow Europe to dictate this and take away important tools from our arsenal? Is it because the Europeans care more about their oil and their natural gas from Russia? Look, I understand these are important issues for Europe to grapple with, but do they really think these sanctions as currently implemented are going to stop Russia? Do they not think that President Putin already had taken these into account before he attacked? That the oligarchs who were sanctioned weren't already warned before the sanctions to protect their assets? Is Europe ready to sacrifice Ukraine for its comfort and for the price of its energy? I don't think they really understand how serious President Putin is. President Zelensky made a very important point when he appealed to the world and said, If you don't help us now, if you fail to offer powerful assistance to Ukraine, tomorrow the war is going to knock on your door. He's absolutely right. Let's take the Jen Stoltenberg, the chief of the NATO alliance, who said that the brutal act of war shattered peace in Europe. Okay, fair enough. But then what? Stoltenberg said that the NATO military alliance would defend every inch of its territory should Russia attack a member country, of, which you of, of course, of which Ukraine is not a part. So we understand that that's a NATO obligation. But is she, she going to stand back and say that since Ukraine is not a NATO member, NATO could stand by and watch the Sanus attack unfold? What's NATO's answer to the obvious question that as NATO stands by now, how much are they putting NATO countries at risk? How much more at risk? How much more risk is there to the United States, who's going to have no choice but to defend NATO countries if any of them are attacked? Why is President Biden not asking more out of our European allies in order to prevent the U.S. from being forced to step up to the plate if a NATO country is being ends up being attacked? Is this all NATO has to say? President Biden ought to demand much better answers and a real plan beyond these mere words. As I'm recording this, I'm seeing that NATO has activated a response force for the first time ever. What does that actually mean? Is it going to be used to protect Ukraine? Or will NATO simply watch Ukraine sink, and then NATO will face even more risk, and the United States will face even more risk because of this inaction? There were no answers to that coming from the White House. I want to understand, I'm sure all of you want to understand from the White House, what is the risk to the United States as NATO members in Europe hang back and have no real action that so far looks like it's going to stop President Putin? We need much more transparency here. Do we not think that President Putin smells weakness in European resolve and that of the United States? Let's remember that in 2014 he invaded and then later annexed the Crimean Peninsula, and he got away with it. Some words of condemnation and then nothing. Who's next? What's next? We've heard President Macron of France has been talking to President Putin, and France has long sought to have a leadership in Europe. What has he really done or said to help Ukraine? What's Germany done to help Ukraine? Okay, they temporarily paused this, the pipeline. Fine, the Nord Stream pipeline. But that's a temporary pause. They sent some helmets. What kind of leadership is coming out of Europe? I see none. Axios reported that on a video conference between President Zelensky and EU leaders, President Zelensky told these so-called leaders that this might be the last time you see me alive. What kind of statement is that? It's unbelievable. According to Axios, Swedish Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson, who participated in the call, told the Swedish news agency TTT that when the EU leaders said goodbye to Zelensky, they knew they might not see him again. Is that what Europe stands for? Goodbye, President Zelensky? I think Prime Minister Anderson has two kids. Imagine the conversation at their dinner table that night. Gee, kids, I was on a call today with the president of Ukraine, whose country is under attack. 
The Pentagon of the United States is saying that Russia wants to decapitate the Ukrainian government. President Zelensky said to us European leaders that he believes that Russian sabotage forces are in Kiev and are hunting for me and my family. So I said goodbye to him, knowing I may never see him again. Is that what the leadership is like in Europe? So weak? So afraid? I watched President Biden's speeches about Ukraine over the past few days. I wasn't impressed at all. I think it was way too weak, completely unreliable. And I don't disagree. Let me, let me be clear. I don't disagree with his approach about not putting American troops on the ground, at least for now. But we need to show much more strength and resolve. And we need to call out our European allies for not being 100% in front of this and using every possible tool at their disposal to stop this Russian attack. We're being way too diplomatic and gentle here. We also need to immediately refocus on being energy independent. We have to allow America to produce as much of our own energy as possible as the Trump administration did, or we face significant risk ourselves. Or maybe we want to think like John Kerry, who had the, wow, which word should I use, audacity or stupidity, to say that this attack is going to cause people to lose focus on climate change. That he hopes President Putin will realize that in the northern part of his country, they used to live on 66% of what was once frozen land, which is now thawing that he hopes President Putin will stay on track and help us do what we need to do to help the climate. How could Kerry be so tone deaf? Shame on Kerry for using this moment as a way to be self-serving and speak about climate change. Who cares about climate change today while the people of Ukraine are under attack and suffering, while Europe is standing on the sidelines watching an attack that may become the largest war in Europe in decades? As I'm recording this, I'm hearing that the EU and the U.S. may actually sanction Vladimir Putin himself and the foreign minister of Russia, something that President Biden resisted just the other day when he was asked about it by reporters. Okay, it's a decent step, but much more needs to be done. And let's not forget, almost certainly Putin baked this into his equation. Yeah, I'm sure he hid most of his wealth. So it's a good move, but let's not, you know, praise ourselves for something that's probably going to have little effect. And let's talk about SWIFT. I mentioned that earlier in this podcast. SWIFT is a Belgian service which connects more than 11,000 financial institutions around the world. So some Europeans believe that you shouldn't cut off Russia from SWIFT because if you did that, it's going to cause them all sorts of complications and be very costly, meaning it'll cost the Europeans lots of money and it'll cause the Europeans many complications. Basically, we're standing by hoping that the other sanctions will stop an attack on Ukraine. What a big risk. Do we truly want to leave Ukrainians twisting in the wind? for weeks or months while the current sanctions have an impact? There may be no Ukraine left by then. How much effort and pressure did President Biden put on those who object to it? How much more at risk will Americans be under our NATO obligations if we allow these Europeans who object to cutting Russia off from SWIFT make the decision for us? Have we offshored our foreign policy and military decisions about the lives of our military to the Europeans who don't want to cut off Russia from SWIFT now? We should demand more clear and complete answers out of President Biden as to the impact and risk on our military by not cutting off Russia from SWIFT now. I want to address the news that's being made about how President Trump called Putin smart and uh, said that he's a genius. The way I hear President Trump's comments, in his characteristically blunt and direct way, he was saying that Putin is very strong and Biden is very weak. People are implying that Trump admires Putin for what he's doing. I don't see it that way at all. I think what President Trump was saying is that Putin is running circles around Biden, that he sees Biden as weak and he's now taking advantage of someone who is weak and he's doing something he wanted to do for a while. And yes, I really do believe that President Trump is right. Putin would not have done this under President Trump's watch. 
Let's also remember that during the 2016 presidential campaign and during his presidency, President Trump criticized NATO and allied countries for not paying their fair share when it comes to joint defense. I really don't understand how the U.S. allowed these countries to get away with that. Well, now we see how reliable some of our European and NATO allies are. Not reliable at all. President Trump uses a certain style to get his message across. His style may be unpalatable to some, but it's clear, it's honest, and it's direct. I would take that any day over leaders who use carefully worded statements and speeches and eloquently and elegantly crafted speeches and statements that end up saying little or nothing. And this is where we are today, folks. Lots of elegant and seemingly strongly crafted words of condemnation. But what good is that? What do we tell our kids about President Zelensky and his family who are being hunted? What do we tell our kids about the more than 50,000 Ukrainians who fled Ukraine in the face of this attack? What do we tell the spouses and the kids of the 13 Ukrainian soldiers who were killed defending Snake Island, a small island in Ukraine, after refusing to surrender when a Russian ship told them to lay down their weapons or be bombed? And indeed, they were bombed. Friends, there are numerous organizations collecting aid for Ukraine. Do consider giving to these organizations. Be sure to choose carefully so you're sending money to reputable organizations who could deploy the aid quickly, efficiently, and effectively. Earlier today, numerous people sent me a video of a group of Jewish Ukrainians, men, women, and children, who appeared to be in a cellar or some sort of bunker singing the Shalom Aleichem song to welcome the Shabbat during this terrible time. The Shalom Aleichem song is a traditional song sung by Jews every Friday night upon returning home from the synagogue prayer, and I doubt they went to synagogue tonight. Generally speaking, the song is about peace. To the people of Ukraine, I wish for peace upon you and your families. We will pray for all of you, and I hope that the governments that you have counted on as friends and allies will step up to the plate in the right ways, in wise ways, in effective ways, and in strong ways to stop the Russian attack on you. I wish you Shabbat Shalom. I wish the world Shabbat Shalom. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek.